So what I learned today was that Parlor is the worst. Tell me about Parlor and why you don't like it. I, so I went on it because I was like, well, maybe we I can cur- curate some followers for last call. I'll just try yeah. it. And it's literally, it is the ultimate echo chamber. And I was just trying to think about it. Like, how did it, how did like, like I'm all about more competition to Facebook and Twitter. Totally. And I'm like, how did this happen? I was like, because Parlor got, I mean, it started on its own, but it really picked up when Facebook and Twitter started censoring. So everyone who moved over, moved over for politics. Yeah. And it's politics only, which as much as I'm into politics, that's really boring. <laughs> it's so boring and i actually had one go i had one i'm like i'm just gonna be a typical like i'm just gonna try to like post controversial stuff to see if i get any reaction oh, nice. it's like i guess trolling yes and i got one today that's gotten like 600 shares and it tells you how many views it's like nice. 350,000 views and i my wow. followers went from 31 to 595 in like two hours oh my god so i guess I've, i'm trying to play with the algorithm but i looked at the comments and it is the worst i was like there's no point even being in here. Yeah. I feel like I would make a lot of people angry if I showed up on Parlor. Don't want to go. Because there's no, I like, done it yet, but... puppy pictures. There's no, look what I did today. It's all, like, hashtag Trump election stolen. Oh, and God. MAGA. That's and it's so like, terrible. Oh, every... And I was like, this is all it is. It is. It's very boring. That's the, the problem with politics is both sides are bad, you know? So, like, every time I get really fed up with the left, because I'm like, God, these lefts are they're totalitarian fascists. They're horrible. I can't believe what they're doing. And then I look to the right, and I'm like, oh, you guys are no better. What's wrong <laughs> with you? You know? So I make everybody mad because being kind of – well, I don't want to say in the middle because it's, it's perpetuating a false stereotype yeah. of the political spectrum. But I'm not in the middle, but I'm not either of those things. I'm a libertarian, and I think that people should be free to make their own decisions, and both left and right disagree with me on that. And so it's always sad to see that. Yeah, and I blame Facebook for it or yeah. Twitter because they started censoring and they kind of forced people off or people chose to leave. But now you've created more of an echo chamber on your own platforms. Yeah, I mean, well, the, and a huge new the way competition chamber. works is if you, you know, if something is not satisfying a need, something else pops up and people migrate to it. Uh, and the need that Facebook wasn't satisfying is the need for people on the right to rant about Trump and not get censored. <laughs> and so that's, that's what, what you're going to get in the population, in the uh, the competition. In it's Parliament. terrible. There's no variety. It's everyone thinks the same there. It's very, very, very sad. I don't like it. Sad. Let's so, have some drinks to make us feel let's better. Do it. I just brought basic Maker's Mark. Okay. I'm not opposed. Kibby mocked us a little bit for our bad liquor choices, like my dentist-made whiskey I brought. And You think he's going to not mock us for Maker's Mark? <laughs> I'm hoping I can slip under the radar. I just want to be not noticed. Yeah. When I was in boot camp, that was my whole strategy. I didn't want to stand out in any way. I don't want to be the star. I don't want to be the worst. You just yeah. want to kind of get in and get out. <laughs> yeah, totally. Luckily, I was 23 when I was in boot camp, and there was a bunch of 18-year-olds that were complete How morons. similar was it to the first half of Full Metal Jacket? It's pretty close. Pretty close. It's, you're yeah. you're pretty much just degraded as a human being. Was it Marines boot camp or was it Navy? Navy, okay. But yeah, I was with an older group. Most of the guys I was with were in their early 20s, so we didn't have a lot of 18 year olds. We had a few that yeah. had never lived outside of mommy and daddy's house, so they took most of the heat for us. So, so as good. Much as they annoyed us. We really loved them. Yes, makes sense. They did the dirty work. The well, this is our Thanksgiving show. So happy Thanksgiving, Mike. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. 
Tell me, are you Timeless. going to be celebrating Thanksgiving in, in an illegal fashion? This Very year? illegal fashion. That's I don't good. really look into the laws because I don't care. So Very they good. can say whatever my limits are. My in-laws are a little worried because we have they have eight children and their spouses now. Yeah. And my father-in-law is one of eight and they usually celebrate at their house. And the, one of their neighbors is very risky. They're like, man, if we have too many cars parked outside, he's definitely calling on us. Yes. But I go to my parents' house. We're doing what we always do. Screw whatever. Well, they're in Maryland. So screw the governor of Maryland. Yep. Screw the governor of Virginia. We're doing what we want. <laughs> Good. Good for you. I'll be you? in uh, I'll be in Georgia, which is not that locked down right now. So I think what we are going to be doing, we'll have three households together. I think that will be legal in Georgia, but illegal in many other states if we were to do it in those states. So I know like Oregon, um, Michigan, Ohio, a lot of those states are not going to would not let people do what we're going to do. But I think we can get away with it in Georgia because Georgia is not yet, even though it went blue this year, pending any recounts, uh, even though Georgia went blue this year. I think that they're not quite to the point where they're going to arrest you for having Thanksgiving in your own home with a couple of family members. They're not members. ready. They're not ready to not go ready full yet. blown. Um, I don't know what what we're going. Yeah. So there's like this second wave coming or a second fear. I don't know if it's spurred on the confidence of the mainstream media with the Joe Biden election. It looks like, hey, we're going to push this narrative again and get everyone to lock down. But Virginia's shutting down to where now it's 25 people per buildings you know it got up to 250 there's more fear of vaccines are coming out i mean there's i feel like we're hitting maybe a second wave but it's like the next step in a weird way yeah it's kind of scary because yeah now that biden is going to be president there's a lot of of talk about mandatory vaccinations there's talk about second wave of lockdowns uh in where our good friend and colleague matt battaglia lives in philadelphia they have banned private gatherings just period and for for 21 days i think or for uh, until the end of the year they said yeah any any private gatherings over like i think it's more than one household if you if you have anyone outside your family coming into your home with they they ban that which is insane that's completely crazy and so, like, this is the stuff of nightmares and totalitarian hellscape. Did you see in Australia, one of, the, like, the cities or regions or providences, whatever they call in Australia, went down, like, complete lockdown. And there was, like, a massive influx into, like, Sydney where there is not really a lockdown. And, like, everyone just left that area. And That's just, interesting. We're doing no, a two-week vacation that. in Sydney. <laughs> nice. It was like last night, like the last planes left this one city in Australia to head and, like, nine planes took off and it was completely right. packed. But I have a question. I kind of want to pose. I've been thinking. I've been seeing. I'm hit usually me. one. Hit me with your question, Mike. I'm ready. I poo-poo the conspiracy theorists because I usually assume that conspiracies take. They assume a lot of. They assume that whoever the actors are in their conspiracy has an unbelievable talent for predicting, like, the future. Like, being able to react. Totally. And you just can't possibly know. So that's usually why I'm, I poo-poo most conspiracies. Right. Or conservatives. Well, well, <laughs> conspiracy <themselves>. theories. <laughs> conspiracy theories. But so there's I've seen this great like they're calling it the Great Reset. Justin Trudeau had mentioned it. Yeah. It's these like, oh, with COVID comes this opportunity to, you know, reset the economy, to end inequality. And with kind of that narrative, I wonder what my big question here is going to be. How do libertarians respond to this, especially someone like you who doesn't believe in the government? Because I'm also seeing... The vaccines coming out. Everyone's worried about mandatory vaccines. But with this great reset, the vaccine's not going to be mandatory by the government. 
It's going to be the airlines. It's going to be Ticket your Master. employer. Ticketmaster's already said it. Yes. What's the libertarian response to privatized tyranny? Because that's what it is. That's that's a great question. I don't have a great answer. Uh, I would guess I would fall back on my default. The libertarian response is competition. But the problem with that is if the population, if the people demand tyranny, there's really nothing you can do. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing this isn't uh, a bunch of tyrannical overlords imposing this on us. This is people asking for it. This is people saying, we want to be safe. Please take care of us. Make these things illegal. Put people who don't wear masks in jail. That people want this. I mean, not everywhere in the country there's people who don't, obviously, but to a large extent, people want these restrictions put down on them. And in a democracy, that's impossible to fight against that because the majority wants something that you don't want. And this is one of the problems I have with democracy is it's majority rule. You know, they can they can impose things on you. And it's not just in government, it's in business as well. Um, one would hope that you would get little clusters of people who were sufficiently uh, differently minded, who didn't want this stuff to happen, that there would be a market there for people to say, we want to appeal to those people and get their business by not caving into these things. But if there's not that market, it's tough to say how that, how that happens. Yeah, because when I look at these, like, to your point, these massive, like, Amazon and Walmart, or when they name a massive corporation that seems to be creating, it's not a real monopoly, but it's they have some, monop- you know, monopoly power. Sure. But I'm like, well, we need to increase competition. We need to bring in more people that are more small companies that can provide the same services. So I can elect not to associate with some of these groups and yeah. still be able to live my life. But I was like, I don't even know if the opportunity is there to increase competition right now. It's a very scary reality when you start looking well, and at it's part, it. Part of it is the cancel culture thing where a lot of companies that I think would otherwise be resistant to these ideas are terrified of being called names. They're terrified of saying, oh, you don't care about sick people. You want everyone to die. You're endangering people because everyone will pile on and, and call them these names. And so they do things that are maybe even not in their financial interest uh, because they just don't want to take the heat, take the political heat from it. you know. And I don't, I don't know what the solution to that is. I don't think there is a solution. If the population wants to be ruled over, it's hard to see how there's a way to not be ruled over. Uh, even if it's not at the hands of government, even in an anarchist system, you're, you're going to have private companies that respond to the needs and the wants of their consumers. And if all other consumers want something that you don't want, you're going to be in trouble. Uh, and that's just sort of, I think it's unavoidable. And it's really scary. And that's the thing that's really upset me more than anything else about this whole COVID situation. I could tolerate tyrants kind of telling us what to do and everyone being mad about it. Because like that's happened a million times in history, and I get that, and we can fight back against it, and like that would be okay. I would get that, but what I what has really upset me, and what has really kind of made me struggle with like kind of a I don't know an existential crisis this year a little bit, is the fact that it seems like most Americans, or uh, maybe not most Americans, but many Americans, want protection at all costs. They want to be protected from fear at all costs, and that's really scary to me. Yeah, I feel like I think it's a quote from the movie The Patriot when Mel Gibson stands up and he's opposing the going to war and he's trying to warn everyone about the horrors of war and what it'll be and everyone's gung-ho, you know, patriotism. And he says, why would I want to trade one tyrant 3,000 miles away for 3,000 tyrants one mile away? And I feel like we've got 3,000 tyrants one mile away in the form of our neighbors. This is something we were just talking about is, um, you know, like where is the ultimate resistance happen? And we, we just had a Kibbe on Liberty that we just filmed where uh, Ilya Shapiro, a constitutional expert, was talking about 
um, whether or not the government has the power to do certain things in lockdowns. And ultimately, whether or not someone has the power to do something ultimately comes down to who controls the guns, who controls the police, right? So in Michigan, Governor Whitmer has done all this lockdown stuff, and the state Supreme Court said, you're not allowed to do this, it's against the Constitution, and she's not really backing down. She's continuing to do this. And it's like, well, okay, is it going to be enforced? Are the police going to listen to the governor, or are the police going to listen to the Supreme Court? And that's kind of what it comes down to. It's like, the... Can you really stop something, even if it's unconstitutional, if the people with the guns are willing to enforce it? And that's why it's so important that we have the Second Amendment and that people have the right to bear arms and defend themselves and that there's not a monopoly on the use of force. That's the problem with government is they have a monopoly on the legitimate use of force. They can bring unbelievable weapons to bear on you if they think you're doing something wrong and you're not allowed to defend yourself. And that's scary. And that's kind of the problem we're seeing now with COVID is like you can resist all you want, but if the police and the military are against you, what are you going to do? Yeah. And if they can choke off your livelihood, what yeah. are you going to do? You're yeah, eventually exactly. going to bend and break, especially if you have a family and other responsibilities that you have to take care of. You know, I think we're confronting for the first time in my memory, certainly, like what happens if the Supreme Court says something and the, the rest of the politicians say, no, we're not going to do that. We don't care. Like we always assume they kind of, if I, the Supreme Court says it's unconstitutional, then it doesn't happen. But there's no reason why it has to not happen. Like they could keep doing it anyway. The Supreme Court has no no enforcement ability. Yeah. They can just say things. That's very true. I was thinking I was just pondering a similar thought about that. But we also witnessed that already happening where I think it was a few days after the election. Uh, a Supreme Court Justice Alito yes. told Pennsylvania to stop counting certain ballots or just separate them. And they just completely ignored them. And like, yeah. what are you going to do? Like, all right. So they basically gave you the middle finger. Yeah. You're like, oh, is a 70-year-old man going to come and stop us? Yeah. Well, no, what police force do you have, Supreme Court justice? Like, <laughs> right. nothing. Um, it has to be, you know. The power ultimately rests with the people, and the people need to be armed in order to be able to exercise that power. And so it's scary. I don't know what's going to happen. But I hope that we get to have a, a lovely little Thanksgiving with our families. I I will be having a lovely little Thanksgiving. I just told my Yeah, me too. my in-laws they're like, "Oh, what if, you know, our neighbor calls, you know, you know, the authorities or something." It's like, "Just don't answer the door. No one's home." Like, right. oh, just don't answer the door. They're going to bring a SWAT team and yeah. kick in the door. <laughs> I mean, you'll be at least you'll be famous. Yeah. Maybe you can get a book True. deal out of it. That would be a great book deal for sure. <laughs> I'd love to see that. Capital How I was taking I mean, this is one of the things I think is important is civil disobedience in the extent that people see people going to jail for ridiculous, obviously ridiculous reasons. Um, this is a kind of a personal thing for me because I was homeschooled my whole life. And when I was a kid, it was illegal to homeschool your child. And my parents did it anyway. And they could have easily gone to jail. And there were, there were a couple near misses where like doctors were getting asking questions and people were upset about it and they wanted to turn us into the authorities. And there were people in my, my parents' generation who were going to jail for putting their kids, uh, for homeschooling their kids, taking them out of out of public school or private school and doing it at home. And the government was put in the position of saying, look, either we're going to jail mothers who want to teach their kids at home, and that's going to be on the news, or we're going to make this legal. And they made it legal. And the same thing happened with marijuana. Like, either we're going to put all these people in jail who didn't do anything wrong, who just smoked a joint in their apartment, and everyone's going to see that and it's going to be for the world to see our shame that we put all these innocent people in jail or we have to legalize it. And in both cases, they legalized it. For the most part, marijuana is not 100% legal yet, but it's basically there. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what's so important about civil disobedience is no one ever changes bad laws as long as everyone's obeying them. If people obey the laws, they never get changed. 
if people disobey the laws and you put the government in a position where they have to either jail people or change the law, if it's a sufficiently sympathetic victim, they're going to have to change the law. And I think if people are getting put in jail for feeding people, for gathering in their homes, for spending time with their family, for not wearing a face covering, I think people would, I mean, maybe I'm naive about that. Maybe I'm wrong because I've been wrong about a lot of things that the American people are willing to do this year. But if I'm wrong, <laughs> I mean, I, I like to think that people would be so upset if you saw those people actually going to prison and being sentenced and, and spending time behind bars, that they would be forced to, to not go follow through with it, to not enforce the laws. But as long as everyone's obeying, why won't they just grab more power and oh. keep doing it? I think a great point that you've brought up before, and I've actually reused it, and I usually give you credit for it, but it's, I mean, I think it really cuts to the heart of it. Like, we're so quick to say there should be a law or you shouldn't be allowed to do that. Yeah. And you've raised the point that if you're if you think something should be a law, you're essentially saying and correct me if I'm off a little bit or misword or you don't like how I word it, but you are saying you're willing to kill someone over that issue. Absolutely. And this is a, a point that libertarians make that a lot of people misunderstand and a lot of people push back on and they say, well, no, you know, they're not going to get killed if you don't follow the law. You're just going to get a fine or maybe you'll get a slap on the wrist or maybe you'll get sent for spend the night in jail. You're not going to get killed over it. But it's the principle of the thing, right? Like if you actually say, I'm not going to follow this law and I refuse to recognize the legitimacy of the legitimacy of this law, there's ultimately it's going to come down to you versus the state. And if you resist sufficiently hard and you say, no, I'm not going to jail, I'm not paying your fine, I'm not getting the slap on the wrist, I'm not letting you do these things to me because what I did is fine and you don't have the right to make it illegal, ultimately they have no choice. They have to come and try to take you with guns. And if you resist, they have to shoot you. It's going to happen. And just the fact that it doesn't happen doesn't say anything about the fact that it will ultimately happen if someone is willing to resist hard enough. And so it could be for anything. You know, if you get a parking ticket and uh, you refuse to pay it, they'll send you another parking ticket. And you refuse to pay that, they will take away your driver's license. And if you continue to drive anyway, they will pull you over and they'll take you to jail. And if you refuse to go to jail, they'll try to force you to go to jail. And if you resist that force, they will ultimately have to either injure you or, or kill you in order to get you there. And that's the thing is like, you know, if you have someone who's willing to refuse to obey a law to the end, you're going to have to use lethal force at some point in order to enforce that law or concede that you're not willing to enforce the law in that case. And so all laws are backed by the threat of lethal force. Whether or not the actual lethal force is ever used in practice is irrelevant, but the threat of lethal force is behind every law. And that's scary because it means, you know, you really shouldn't pass a law unless you're willing to kill for it. I'm, I'm like Pindulat, the magician who used to be a libertarian, but I'm really scared yeah, what for is, him. What is he now? He's I don't know what he is now, but he voted for Biden, which I don't see there's no. any kind of justification for it from no. a libertarian standpoint to vote for Biden. There's enough people a reason who voted for Biden. <laughs> I, I don't understand that at all. I can't. Think, I don't think there's any libertarian argument to vote for Biden, but whatever. You hear um, that reason? Pendulette said, you know, I'm willing to kill someone to stop someone from stealing or to stop someone from raping or to stop someone from killing. I'm not willing to kill someone to make them build a library. And so that's why he said he was a libertarian. And I think that makes a lot of sense. I really sympathize with that point of view. And I'm, I'm sad that Pendulette doesn't seem to have that point of view anymore. You know, when I was in Vegas recently, right before COVID, mm. I actually might have gotten like an early strand of it while I was there for two weeks shaking a lot of hands at trade shows. But I was trying to get to a Pendulette show and I was going to totally name drop. 
free the people on Mac Kivy. Yeah. <laughs> just to see if I could like hang out with them or go to dinner or something. But he's hard to get a hold yeah. of. He's very exclusive. They didn't I, have a show. It didn't work out when I was there. But I, I met like, him once. I saw his show and then I met him afterwards did, and we, we filmed a Kibbe on Liberty with him. And I had a question I wanted to ask him that I've been di- I thought this is going to be great. I've got a question I'm going to ask Pendulette that no one has ever asked him before. And he's going to be so impressed that I know about his history that he's going to talk to me for hours about it. And um, he was. Sound like a perfect plan. Yeah, I had a perfect plan. Um, Foolproof. There's a band called The Residents who are like anonymous. They wear eyeball masks over their heads and top hats. No one knows who they are. They're really weird, experimental. And they released an album in the 80s called The Mark of the Mole. And Pendulette does a voiceover on that album. And no one knows anything about them. They're like super mysterious. And so like it's really obscure Pendulette reference. So I met him and I said, Pen, tell me what it was like working with The Residents. And he went, oh, they were really nice. <laughs> and that was it and then he moved back to whatever else he was doing and i was like oh, my plan backfired I, it didn't work at all yeah, he thought he was i thought like, i was my gosh going, no one's ever make, asked me this i'm gonna make friends with pin for life with this question but no it didn't work <laughs> didn't even follow you back on twitter but you should listen to the residents they're great <laughs> is it when you describe it it made me think of that one band that has the people or the fans at least the they dress up the, like clowns. The juggalos? Yeah. Yeah, the insane clown posse people. Yes, that's what made that's <laughs> the first image that came to my mind. You know, the insane clown posse, their music is terrible. But I kind of love their fan base and the whole culture around them because they're just like they're so rebellious and they're so like very commu- Grateful Dead kind of. It really is, yeah. It's a, little, the a little more anarchic yes. Grateful Dead. They're not as hippie-ish. They're a little yeah. more but they're fantastic. I love the juggalos. Yeah, they created a, a subculture that's brings people together totally to dress like clowns i'm, I'm or really something. into subcultures i yeah. think subcultures are so cool i love that people can like find people who are like them and share their dementia and their weirdness and like have a happy little gathering together. did any of this come up in your book subcultures that you did, that, your new book that you're no working on? i don't talk about subcultures much in my book although i do mention like in the satanic panic in the 80s there's like the heavy metal kids and the goth kids and like they're, you know, they were kind of demonized. Goth kids, not so much. They were a little bit, but the heavy metal kids, you know, people thought that they were all Satanists because they put pentagrams on their album covers. And, you know, Ronnie James Dio did this, which is not a Satanist symbol, but people think it is. I thought that was just rock on. Am I missing nothing? Well, is that that? This is. That's I love you. I'll explain. I I'll explain if you want me to. Please. Because it's kind of interesting. And you may yeah. be interested as a Catholic. Um, this is a Italian and also Hindu, I think, but mainly Italian symbol. For it's like they're called it's called the monocornuta, they're horns, the hand with horns, and it's a uh, blessing or a defense against the evil eye, against curses. And so, when Italians want to ward off curses, they do that, and it, it's uh, it's a protection symbol. And it's done been done by Catholics in Italy for hundreds of years. And Ronnie James Dio, who was the metal singer from the band Dio and was in Black Sabbath for a little while and was in Rainbow for a little while. Uh, he had an Italian grandmother who used to do it a lot. And he started doing it at concerts in his metal shows. And all of his fans started copying him. And that's where it comes from. The rock on sign comes from this Italian blessing that's like, get away from me, evil. Get behind me, Satan. And for some reason, people think that it's a, a satanic symbol, but it's exactly the opposite. Very interesting. So my, I actually did not know that and did not see that. The only other time I've seen that is down in Texas where oh, yeah, hook long horns. horns or... Yeah. If you're in Oklahoma, you go down. Yep. But my mom is 100% Italian, and her father grew up, who has now passed away, my grandfather, in Italy. And he was very superstitious, to your point, to where, like, if you stepped – if I stepped over my brother when he was laying on the floor, I would have to walk over him backwards or something. Why like is that. your brother laying on the floor? You know, watching TV or something. Okay. You know, and you step over him, like, that's bad luck, and now you have to walk over him backwards. Like, that type of superstition. So that makes a lot of sense from yeah. – that from those memories and experiences all these hand signals come from religion it's interesting like um the uh the the vulcan live long and prosper that's a jewish 
priest blessing or Jewish rabbi blessing that they do. So someone just um, Leonard Nimoy who appropriate, appropriated these things. Yeah, Leonard Nimoy is Jewish, and he took it from what he saw at Temple, and he started doing it in Star Trek, and it's the live long and prosper symbol. So someone appropriates these religious symbols, yeah. then a subculture gets a hold of it, and then us, you know, conservative folks on the outside see it, and we're like, up, oh, that's demonic, and then before yeah. you know it, you got a demonic symbol that was never demonic. Exactly. And then there's, mm, I have a lot of friends like that. I can relate. A lot of people I like very much, but I get a lot of uh, very interesting conversations, a lot of knee-jerk reactions to a lot of different things. Yeah, it's, it's very true. interesting. It's fascinating to learn the symbol, the history of symbols, because yeah. like things like the swastika, which now mm. everyone associates with the Nazis, understandably, like that was a, a sun symbol for sun worship. And it was like a, a peace and happiness symbol for Hindus and for Buddhists for thousands of years before the Nazis were around. Um, but, you know, yeah. Hitler took it and he actually reversed the direction of it. It used to spin clockwise because the sun in the northern hemisphere rotates clockwise. Now it spins counterclockwise as the Nazis did it and they tilted it on its axis. Um, but yeah, like the swastika used to be a, a good religious happy peace symbol that re- represented the sun. God uh, forbid an American millennial goes over to India and finds a swastika from long ago on something. And before you know it, you got a social media campaign to tear down all the statues in India. Interesting personal note. <laughs> my, when I came to Washington, D.C. in 2012, the very first article I wrote was about a defense of the swastika on religious. Wow. Welcome to, and I was, there was some like, um, spiritual jewelry restaurant in you or not restaurant store in New York selling swastika earrings and they got shut down and they got, you know, it was banned. And I I wrote this article about how the swastika is not a, uh, originally not a Nazi symbol. It was a a peace symbol and a, a sun symbol. And I was like, this is, people just don't know the history. They're ignorant. And so I wrote this article and they were like, you can't publish that. <laughs> You're not gonna I, I would have actually given you the same advice. Yeah. Like, no, 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 no. Don't put that out. first article in DC. So, that was my very first one I put wrote. this one in the drawer and close it. Can't do it. I don't have it anymore. <laughs> but it's kind of, yeah. yeah. You've had other articles where you got people yell at you where you've tried to push back a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so. you know. You, you've got the, the I was, hard exterior I was now, a really you... contrarian youth, you know. And I really uh, wanted to push hard against established mores and norms and stuff. So. Contrarian youth that will save us probably. From I think so. I'm what, a little mellower in my old age now, but you know, back then I really wanted to tear the set the world on fire. Yeah, the next step is going to be disgruntled. Oh, that's the next step in old age. I'm heard this, where you just think everything's going to hell. And yeah, I'm kind of there. Like, you know, this year, I'm kind of there. Kind of like my my next door neighbor who I really enjoy hanging out with. We have. When I was drinks your age, on the deck, oh man, he is. We got to celebrate Thanksgiving with our families without their police showing up. <laughs> so where I don't know. Well, what do you think the future of twenty twenty one looks like in America? I don't know because the thing does is, COVID go away? When does when do we take off the mask? It's, it's two possibilities. Because <laughs> Fauci says we're not taking them off. The first possibility is they want Biden to cure COVID, and they will say, "Oh, COVID's gone. Biden's president. He solved it. Trump was horrible, and now everything's fine." If I can take off my mask, I'll let him have that crap. I, I would too. <laughs> um, I don't think that's going to happen. That's a possibility, but I don't think so. I think once governments get their hooks into this and they're like, oh, wait a minute, we can tell people what to do and they'll do it unquestioningly because they're scared and they think we're going to protect them. I don't see them relinquishing that power easily. So I think it's going to continue. Yeah, the, the Jeffrey Tucker has been talking a lot about it on social media, which kind of caught my interest was like the Great Reset. And I'm like, it kind of gets close to that New World Order conspiracy stuff that yeah. I don't completely buy but there's definitely people that want it well they here's say the, it here's the thing is like but it's not a conspiracy because it's not a bunch of people getting together in a secret underground room and deciding this is what's going to be but it's opportunism people see oh wait a minute well this might be a good way to pass uh universal basic income or this might be a good way to pass yes. universal health care and 
you know, this might be a good way to get reelected, yeah. you know, or to demonize the opposition. And everyone just starts, does the same thing because they all face the same incentives. But it doesn't mean they're getting together and colluding on this sort of stuff. And I, I don't really think that happens. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's definitely, they're definitely tapping in to the opportunity. As Justin Trudeau said, as this guy who runs the World Economic Forum, mm-hmm. he looks just like the very typical wrinkly, he looks like a dox hound almost became a human. But man, some of the stuff they put out, I was on their website just browsing some of the articles on like COVID, like how they envision the future. Mm-hmm. Very scary, very status. I'm like, holy cow, these people are kind of crazy. I, and I'm worried about like, you know, They're, they are crazy. I'm worried kinda. about kids growing up under this because if it's one year, maybe they'll forget about it. It won't be a big deal. But if this goes on much longer, it's going to be a major part of people's childhoods. Yeah. You know, and I can't imagine having to grow up where, you know, a big part of your memory of being a kid it was not running around and climbing trees and, you know, getting getting into trouble and playing with your siblings and having fun. It's like, oh, yeah, I had to be afraid of a virus my whole life. Like, that's scary. I don't yeah. want that to happen. The um, as, as another one of the last points I'll make, as a practicing Catholic, there's a book that came out a couple years ago called The Benedict Option. Mm-hmm. And it basically – Giving up? Kind of, yeah. Kind of, it says we need to pull away from culture and almost just leave it. Like, yeah. that's what Benedict did, right? Rome mm-hmm. fell. Benedict went to the mountains in the caves. With oh, I thought fuck. you meant Benedict XVI. No. Who gave up being Pope oh, because it was too no. hard. St. Benedict, who Benedict XVI took it over. No. I wish Benedict would have stayed Pope, but another tangent for another time. But St. Benedict, after Rome fell, left, went into the mountains with his followers. But they saved Western civilization. They literally made copies of Plato and Aristotle and, like, they reprinted everything and by hand and for years. And it, preserved western culture so this book said like hey maybe us practicing catholics and people that value these traditions and values need to just exit and at this point i've like it would there got a lot of pushback from people that said like hmm. we need to be in the world we not we're not of the world we need to be in it though spreading our message but now in this age where the government and the tentacles of the leviathan are spreading i'm like you know maybe i just need to you know to your point create a subculture of where think, I value my kids being raised. Do you think that Benedict XVI quit his job a few years into his turn because he wanted to emulate his idol, his namesake? And say, maybe, maybe. That's why. Now, looking at Francis, I'm very sad to laugh. And I've been <laughs> reading more Benedict. Brilliant guy. I think libertarians would have a lot in common with him, actually, if yeah. they went and read some of his works on his views of what the state is. He pretty much calls government the Antichrist yeah. in some of his writings. Like He has no friend of the state. But I, I, I agree with what you're saying. I kind of go back and forth on it yeah. because a large part of me thinks, well, like the only thing you can really do in this situation is work on yourself. Like just kind of withdraw and try to be the best person you can be and try to like get yourself your mind right and your soul right and do all this stuff. I, I've been meditating a lot this year. It's really been helpful. Um, I think that's really important. But on the other hand, I feel like you have a little bit of an obligation to try to intervene on other people's behalf and try to make the world a better place. And But then again, do you make the world a better place by making yourself a better person? And then the world will be a better place because you're in it. I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm, I go back and forth on it. I don't know. I have an answer for you. I wish I did. I wish I knew. Yeah. I guess do both and just hope. <laughs> do both and hope. Control what you can control and then... Now, what do you like guys, hell. what does your family do for Thanksgiving? Is it turkey stuffing, the traditional it's, mashed potatoes? It's turkey. Um, stuffing is the most important part for my family. Mm-hmm. I saw a map recently of most popular dishes based on region. I want to talk about that map, but go ahead. So my region is Buffalo, New York. Mm-hmm. And appropriately, I saw that stuffing was up there. And I was like, that is appropriate. That is the most important dish with my family. Yeah. Grandma's stuffing is to die for. What's going on with Maine? 
Maine had side salad as their most important Did Thanksgiving they... salad. Maybe we should give it back to Canada. I think we got to get rid of Maine. <laughs> it's no good. It's very upsetting. We'll give them California too. It'll yeah, be a package I, I, deal. I, but... I also, my family loves stuffing and potatoes. So oh, so you're not the mac and cheese that the South the, the, claimed? You know, it, it claimed that Georgia was uh, mac and cheese, but we are not mac and cheese people. We are stuffing people. I saw that because Virginia made up the mac and cheese. I was like, interesting. I'll have to ask some of my native Virginian friends. Yeah. I'm influenced by Buffalo. I did a goose one year and Ooh. nobody liked it except for me. I loved it. I thought the goose was delicious. Um, I think it was for Christmas rather than Thanksgiving, but whatever. Um, for the point of the of the conversation, I will say it was for Thanksgiving. I did a goose because I wanted to try it. I'd never had it before. Marinated it in all this citrus, beautiful citrus uh, flavoring on the skin. It was delicious. So good. You take the grease, you put it on mashed potatoes, goose grease mashed potatoes. I loved it. Everyone else in my family hated it. I'm never allowed to do it again. So that's kind of want to have a goose. With probably Logan my now. one and only time to eat goose. I'm not a huge turkey fan though, but well, turkey's kind of boring. It's sort of dry. Yeah, it doesn't taste that great. You gotta get the goose dark is meat. a lot more flavorful, but people find it gamey, which I don't really mind. I like duck too. I, I'm okay with gamey. You read duck? I've I've had a little bit of duck, but never right, never done right. I've had there's, like duck in cheap Chinese restaurants where it really isn't. Done there's right. this Chinese restaurant in Fairfax. I wish I knew the name of it. It's in like a hole in the wall, like. You almost think like you got a duck or you'll get shot when yeah. you're going into the restaurant. And to that point, they have a room in there that's bulletproof because so many dignitaries. But they make have eaten there. So, so they actually have like a security room for when famous people show up. But man, the duck in that restaurant is unbelievable. And they just bring you the whole duck yeah. to your table. That's awesome. I forgot what it is. Like Peking Duck might even be the name of the restaurant. It's in a very inconspicuous spot. We don't say Peking anymore. We say Beijing now. Oh, is, did the social justice warriors get to that? No, I don't know why that happened, but uh, we, we used to say the, the uh, city in China, we used to call it Peking. Yeah, Peking. And now we yeah, call it Peking, Beijing, Peking. and it's like a different dialect of Chinese. And I don't really understand why, but I like Peking. It's nice. Yeah. We're, not, we're actually going to have to go there sometime and just eat one after one of these evenings. Let's do it. Last time I was there, it was fantastic. Let's do just it. Just drink and board. eat duck, and Trey will come too this time. All right, Trey, you're invited. Tell your wife. Bring your wife. She's pregnant. Wow. She's probably craving duck. <laughs> Cheers, sir. Cheers, man. Till next Have a good time. Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm.